Amen. So last week we were speaking about, so we're talking about stewardship. Amen. Talking about that money, 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 money. Amen. Talking about money, talking about what it means to God, what it means to us as Christians. How are we supposed to give of our tithes and offerings, especially during times like we're in right now, times of turmoil, times of inflation. I know everybody's been affected by the gas prices. Amen. Everybody's coming up to the pump like, what in the world? But in all of that, I will pump that gas at whatever price it is because I got a home to go to. Amen. I'm not in a war-torn country. God is doing all that he can to protect us. So we ought to just be grateful for that. Amen. There should be no complaints. You are not stranded. You are not lost. You are not crossing borders into other countries because the presence of God is with us and God is protecting us. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today is just putting God first. What happens when you put God first? Amen. Father God, as we go into this word, God, we just surrender it to you. Father God, I surrender to you, Lord. Father God, that this word will come forth, Father, from your spirit, Father God, from the throne room of heaven, God, that pierces our hearts and teaches us, Father God, not to condemn, not to convict, God, but to give us an understanding, to give us a wisdom of what it means, God, and why you put these principles in place. So we thank you, Father God, for, for what you're doing in our world, what you're doing in our lives, God. I just rejoice in you this morning, and I give myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So last week we talked about Cain and Abel, amen, how we approach God, what it means to approach God with our tithes and offerings. And we talked about the way Cain and Abel both approached God in the correct way. They did bring their, their tithes and offerings to God, but God was not pleased with Cain's offering. Cain's offering was not presented in the way God had instructed them to. So God turned his back on Cain, well, not so much turned his back, but did not accept Cain's offering. But he told Cain something very, uh, very important. He said, Cain, if you do right by me, if you do right, if you have a second chance to correct this, then I will accept your offering. But Cain, but Cain decided that he was just going to stay mad about it, that he was just going to, you know how we get, we get mad at God. He got mad at God. He got mad. He got jealous of his brother. He ends up killing his brother. And then a curse was put on him to where he had to toil ex extra hard. He had to do things. Um, he had to really work for, for his sustenance. And that's the same thing that happened, in his happened with his father. You look at a, the first generational curse starting right there is that Adam went before or Adam sinned against God and did not repent of his sin but it actually tried to put blame on Eve for his sin and 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 God had to remove them out of the garden amen and then here we see the same thing happening as his sons are coming to present their 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 gifts before the Lord that they did not present them one of them did not present it correctly and God turns turns his offering down, and instead of him repenting, we see a genera generational cycle beginning that Cain decided that I, it's not my fault. You know, you should take this. I did this. I worked hard for this. Um, and he did not um, ask for forgiveness. He did not repent, even when the Lord offered him the second chance. So we've always got to be uh, uh, listening to the voice of God and hearing when God says, I'm giving you a check, second chance to make this correct that we must make that correction, amen? And even if that's, that's in your tithes and offerings, that's in your dealings with others, that God gives you the opportunity to make it right. I'm pretty sure you all have had family members or friends that you felt the prompting of God say, just give them a call, set up a meeting, set up an appointment. And because you, your pride, your ego, you decide, you know what? I'm just gonna let it go. 
And God is saying, that's not what I'm calling for you to do. I'm calling for you to approach the, the situation in a different way. Because you never know, you know, we have our truth, they have their truth, in the middle is the true truth, amen? And when we come to the table and we really sit down and we mitigate, that's when we find truth. That's when we find the errors of our ways or the thoughts that the enemy has applied into our, our story. And that's where we can get it correct. That's where we, God can correct it, amen? So this morning... I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to, um, it's chapter, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 16, and this is just such a beautiful story. I love the story of Elijah. I just love to, you know, to read about this great prophet and his life. And so, you know, many of us right now are struggling, amen, we're, I don't care I don't care what your social status is, what your bank status is. Whatever. A lot of us are struggling right now in, in this situation, in these times. Like we are not actually being attacked by the war, but we are feeling the effects of the war. Amen? Our gas prices have gone up. Our grocery stores are bare. You know, you can't, you know, life has changed. Life has made a drastic change. Our economy's down. Stock markets are up and down. Money's all over the place. And so we're, we're, we're kind of caught in a situation that we really don't have, personally have anything uh, to do with. But it's just the, the systems that we are in. And so this is um, a result of a lot of times, this is a, the result of people turning away from God. And I believe the wrath that is coming down right now is because people have turned away from God. And God is constantly giving us that second chance like he did with Cain, giving us a chance to be able to correct our wrongs. And I believe this whole pandemic was just a pause on the church. He said, you know what, let me, let me just pause the church and let me let you sit in what's going on. Let me let you allow you the time to have one-on-one -on -one time with me, the time to just get your hearts right, to get everything correct. It, the things that you're not doing correctly, those issues that you had. We've had two years, y'all, over, over two years to really to press into the presence of God, to really hear from God. So when, when, we, when we encounter something, our ears are sensitive, our heart is sensitive to that, hey, that's the voice of God. That's just not man talking. And so as we're going through this um, declining economy, all the things that are happening, it's time for us as Christians, as the church, as a bride of Christ to be sensitive to what God is saying during this time because he is speaking and he is speaking loud and clear. So we have this story in 1 Kings and... Um, I'm going to give you the background of it so we just don't jump, jump right into the middle of it. But here we have Elijah the prophet who is uh, a man of God, amen? He is a, a man of God and he is, he is doing the things that God has called him to. Uh, but then we have, you know, how the Israelites are just like us. They are always in trouble. <laughs> they were always found themselves in precarious places. They were always being a disobedient to what God was calling them to do. They would have these high moments where they were worshiping God, where they were seeing the miraculous of God, where they were doing all the things that God had called them to do, to be and become. And then you would just see them just slowly drifting back into a worldly lifestyle, slowly desiring the things of the world, slowly wanting what the, what the opposer had. And so this is exactly what's going on in uh, this chapter, in this book of Kings, is that Israelites had begun to worship Baal, the God, the Baal, 
the, the deity Baal, the Baal God. And so there was this man and woman. There was a king Ahab was ruling at the time, and he had this wife named Jezebel, and everybody knows about Jezebel. Jezebel was nothing to mess with. I mean, Jezebel was, you talk about attitude. Jezebel was um, just a very self-centered woman, a very uh, aggressive woman. Amen. She had all, actually, Ahab was king, but Jezebel was running the show. Amen. So she had a very decisive spirit. She represents an antichrist. She was just bringing division upon the Israelites because they lived in this land where everything was prosperous. The land was prosperous. People were prosperous. And the Israelites were attracted to that. They had their farms. They had their businesses. Things were going well. They were, they were worshiping this Baal God. And this Baal God is a God of fertility. Amen. It's a God of, of, of abundance. It was, it was just that's how they felt. It was a God of abundance that it would make it rain. It would produce great crops. It would produce great fruits. And so people were attracted to that. And so they were all living in this, in this confines of this area in the land, and things were going well. And people were straying, like in the multitudes away from God. The Israelites began to worship this Baal God. And we know in Scripture, God says that you shall have no other gods before me. And so God's, God began to, you know, this began to really irritate God. And God began to, to say, you know, speak to Elijah like, we need to do something about this. I need you to go and speak to uh, Ahab and let him know that I'm about to do something. I'm about to curse this land. I'm about to cause a drought. And so here goes Elijah. And Elijah's just a regular guy like us. Amen. He's a prophet of God. And he's a little nervous about going because he knows Jezebel was out. She was destroying and killing the prophets of God. And so he bolstered up the faith to go before her before them and he went and he announced uh, that there will be no rain for three years three and a half years that you know the ground was cursed because of the fact that the Israelites were worshiping uh, a deity and so he goes and he tells that uh, he tells Jezebel and he tells Ahab a drought is coming. It's going to be three and a half years. Je Jezebel goes off her rocker. She's like, no, you did not roll up in here in my, my territory and tell me what's about to happen. So she puts a bounty on Elijah. She's like, you're dead, along with all your little other prophets that have been running through the streets. And so God tells um, a I mean, poor uh, I can't think of Elijah. Elijah was scared. I mean, like, you know, scared, scared, not a little bit scared. Elijah was frightened, and he began to worry, like, oh, my gosh, you know, what have I done? I now have this bounty on my head. So when we put, pick up at verse, um, verse 7 in, uh, in, in 1 Kings 7, 17, um, God, God was giving Elijah a vision of how to restore, amen, how to restore the people back to him, how to, uh, to have them come back into relationship with him. God was telling him, through you, I'm going to give our people, a, I'm going to give my people a second chance. So the Israelites, like I said, they had strayed all over the place. They were, you know, doing what they do, just like we do. Amen. We ain't no different. We're no different. I shouldn't say ain't, but we're no different from the Israelites. Amen. We get to a place to where we get comfortable, where we think that we're running the show, where the blessings of God become, uh, we don't look at them as blessings from God, but we look at it as, as hard work or accomplishments, accomplishments that we've had. And we begin to, to not give to the church, to, you know, buy the things that we want to do, do buy the possessions. And, you know, we just get real worldly. And this is, this is the same thing that uh, was happening back then. 
within. So God had a remnant, amen? He had a remnant of prophets. He had a remnant. And you need to just read the whole uh, chapter of first, the whole book of First Kings, and you will see how God has always protected us. And that's why I'm telling you today, we are protected, amen? Our God reigns this morning, amen? So as we are, um, so as Elijah is, is, afraid of what's about to happen because he's looking at it through the natural. Not only is God pruning the heart of uh, Elijah, but he's really taking him step by step through a process that is going to make him one of the greatest prophets in the book, in, in the Bible, that you read about in the Bible. But just as he was a young man, he wasn't really sure. Of course, fear hit his heart. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us have been <laughs> at that point to where we're just kind of like, God, are you sure? Like, you want me to do what? And so we begin to question it. But God had him uh, leave the territory. And so we're picking up at verse 7, and it says, And after a while, the brook dried up. Oh, I'm sorry. So, um, so he has him go to, um, he has him go to uh, um, a place in, in, uh, to hide. He was in a cliff. He was in a mountainous area. He was hiding in uh, this mountainous area. And many of us know we got the great Colorado Rocky Mountains. And so um, in the winter, as it is now, you see all that snow, all that buildup, um, the rain, the rainy season that, you know, the brooks are filled, the pools are filled. And so God has him go and hide in this, in this crevice. He says, hide here in this place. Uh, and I will have the ravens come and feed you. I will have the bread. You know, they will bring you food. They will bring you meat. They will bring you bread. I will take care of you. Now, if God told us to go, <laughs> okay, into, you know, it's deserty uh, in the land where, where Elijah was. And God said, okay, I want you to go hide out in the cleft of these mountains, and there's going to be a brook, and the ravens are going to feed you. The raven is like one of the meanest birds out. The raven will take, you know, the raven doesn't even take care of his own. The raven, uh, when, they, when they give, when they lay their eggs and hatch their eggs, the, 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 the chicklies, they're not chicklies, but the little birds, they have to make it on their own. And oftentimes, another bird, another species will feed them because they're just like about themselves. And so God calls, God unctions the ravens to go and feed him. He said, they will bring you meat and they will bring you bread morning and night and so you know I just can't even imagine you know like wait first of all I'm not eating up from no bread ooh, uh, from no bird but this is what God had planned and so God will put us in some very peculiar situations and it's up to us to just trust him to us to trust him so in verse 7 it says so here here he is Elijah is here he's living near this brook he has plenty of hiding places because he knows that there's a bounty on him he knows that men are out looking for him and in verse 7 it says and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land now you have to understand you know when you're reading this it's just not right in, se in sequence. So the, the, um, the drought was for three and a half years. So I'm imagining that Elijah had been hiding out in this brook, hiding out in this, this clevis for a while now. So he's hiding out there. He's getting daily food from the ravens. They're bringing bread. They're bringing meat. And I'm pretty sure there, there was a town or something nearby where they would go and, you know, snatch stuff off of the, <laughs> off of the plates of people uh, that, you know, it wasn't like the birds were cooking, y'all. It was like <laughs> there was a city close by enough for them to grab sustenance and bring it to uh, Elijah. And so there's a time period that Elijah is out there. And I can just imagine, you know, it's hot. 
It's a drought, so the drought is not only in the, in, in, specifically in that land, but it's spreading all over the place. Everything's drying up, and so the brook begins to dry up because there's no rain. And so at this point, the, book, the brook had dried up in verse 7, and then the word of the Lord came to him in verse 9, and it said, Arise and go to Zarephath, Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to lead a widow there to feed you. And so our first point is that God always has a way of providing for himself and for his people. And so as this story begins to progress, Elijah, the brook has dried up, the sustenance has dried up, the ravens are no longer bringing um, any food, any, anything to sustain him. And so God says, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to walk by faith. God is always going to have us in some diverse situations, but, he wants, but the reason we're there in those situations is to learn what he's doing in that place. And as you learn what he's doing in that place, then God will begin to elevate you, amen? God will begin to take you to uh, the next step. And so here Elijah is told by God, uh, spoke, God speaks to him and tells him to arise and go to Zarephath. And uh, the source of physician, the source for physician um, was withering because of the famine. And God instructed his prophet to move. Like we, we, we got to move to the next step. And so Elijah was very um, uh, in obedience, he went to Zarephath in preparation for meeting this widow. And so when God begins to speak to you, you have to listen intently to what he is saying. A lot of times people don't understand, you know, I don't hear the voice of God or I don't know when God's speaking to me, but God is always speaking. Amen. He is always speaking to us and it's for us to be able to shut down the things of this world. And what better place than to be in solitude. Amen. <laughs> to put yourself in a place where you're not, um, there's no, no music. There's no uh, Facebook, there's no uh, social media, there's those places of solitude where you can really hear the voice of God. Because a lot of times we can't hear the voice of God because our minds are just so full of things that we've intaked. And God is like, I need to get you to a desolate place. I need to get you to a place where you can hear my voice. So if you're having, if you're struggling with hearing the voice of God, just simply begin to remove all of the distractions that keep you away from, that keep you from hearing from God. I, I still struggle with it today. I mean, I can be, you know, in worship, I can begin in worship, and two minutes later, I'm washing dishes, I'm thinking about what I need to do, what I need to go to the grocery store and do, I'm thinking about work. You know, and the enemy just starts bombarding our minds with things. But when you get into that solitude place, when you're developing that relationship with God, you will hear his voice. And so in obedience, uh, Elijah gets up and he, he follows the instructions that God uh, had commanded him. And not only is God working on Elijah, but he's also working on this widow in Zarephath. And so he's just like, I just have to, to divinely orchestrate how these two can meet up. And so God is doing his thing. And as we walk in obedience, uh, we, will, we will fall into our blessing. We will fall into the promises of God. And so in observation, God did not, uh, so she goes, so he, he makes it to this town of Zarephath um, and understand that God called a widow, amen? He asked a widow, he had prepared a widow to take care of him. It wasn't a rich person, it wasn't a banker, it wasn't a lawyer, it wasn't, you know, a, a very prosperous, it wasn't a prosperous person that lived in Zarephath that God called him to do, but God said, I'm going to show you just 
<laughs> what kind of power I hold. I'm going to show you a miracle in this. And so he, he prepares this widow. He tells him, go to the town of Zarephath, and you will meet a widow there. And she will, she, will, she will do as I've commanded her. She will do the things that I've called you to do. And so Zarephath is a town. It's a Gentile town. It wasn't a, it wasn't, she was not an Israelite. She was not from the tribe of, she was not a Jew. She was a Gentile, uh, which, you know, was not God's chosen people, but God says, I can use anyone. And so this, this Gentile, this beautiful woman, had a relationship with God. She believed in God. And so as, as we're going along our way, we, we can't judge about, you know, how we want God to do this is how I want you to do it, God. You know, you know. Have y'all ever done this? Like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna put out a fleece. You put out a some sort of fleece, or if so and so says something to me, you know, we're looking and trying to direct God on how He should bless us or how He should take care of the situation. When God's like, I don't need your help. Amen. God doesn't need our help. God just asks for our pure obedience. All God is looking for is for us to put him first and to be obedient and to join him in his work. So we, uh, we need to know that, that God is the God of all possibilities. Um, as, and, and God has commanded me, he's commanded you, that, you know, don't worry during this, this crazy time that we're going through. He says, I have provisions that you have no idea I have things for you that you have no idea of. You know, when you have those, not crazy dreams, but you have those visions of what you are to become, of those promises, of those dreams, of those desires, those giftings that, that are just deep in your spirit, and you're trying to figure out how will this come to be? How will this be, God? How will I get there? God's like, baby, I got provisions for you. I've got everything that you're seeing in the natural, oh, it's in the spiritual, and I'm ready to release it, but I need your obedience. I need your obedience in all things. I need you to put me first. And when we put God first, we will begin to see the unveiling piece by piece of what God has for us. And God's not just going to dump it on us. Okay, so you want to start a business, you want to do this or that, bam. And it's there. God's like, no, I'm going to need you to work for it. Amen. I'm going to need you to pray for it. I'm going to need you to fast for it. I'm going to need to give you, I need you to be obedient in your tithes and your offerings. I need you to be obedient unto the things that I've commanded you. And when we begin to do that, then we begin to see the layers unpeel. We begin to see the unfolding of, of what God has called us to be. So I just want to encourage you this morning that uh, just wait on God, amen. Put him first and wait on him. Don't try to add. Don't try to color in. Don't try to fill in the blanks because when you do that, you find yourself just back at square one. How many of us have done that? We find ourselves back at square one. We get a little raise on our paycheck, and we're like, you know what? I deserve a vehicle. I deserve a new vehicle. I've worked for this. Old vehicle is fine. Old car runs just perfectly, you know. But you want to, you know, you want to sport. You want to get out there. You want to do what you want to do. You know, you want to look good in front of the people. And you go out, and, and you get yourself, you know, you get a car in the first few months. You know, you're fine. And then something happens, and, you know, you, you look out the window at work and that tow truck is, <laughs> that tow truck is pulling your, your, that vehicle away. Been there, done that. I've had that, I've actually had that experience. Um, because you did not hear the voice of God. You know, you got a raise. Did you raise your tithes? <laughs> did you raise your offering? Did you raise your giving? Did you do the things that God called you to do? Or did you put yourself first? And so God is asking us to, to put, him, put, put him first in all things. And so our God is not a user, amen? 
God could use us, but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't create us to use us. He created us to be obedient and created us to worship him. And so as, as, as God does not use us, we should not use God. And we do that often. We try to get, you know, we beg God and we, God, if you would just do this, God, please do that, please do that. And sometimes he blesses us with it, amen? And then we turn right around and do the complete opposite, fall back into our same old ways. And God is just like, you know, if you would learn to put me first, don't use me. Don't use me. Because <laughs> there are dire consequences to using God for, for our own gain. But God is not a God of, uh, that uses us. So... In verse 10 and 11, so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I might drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called out to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. <laughs> now you have to understand in these days what a widow was. You know, today we have widows. I'm a widow. Uh, but women are working now, amen? Back in those days, women did not work. They depended on their husband. If their husband passed, they depended on their sons to take care of them. And here we have this woman who has lost her husband. She is a widow woman. But they did make provisions. So there was uh, provisions where there was a decree where the widows could go into the fields after the farmers had gleaned and they could go in and they could gather, you know, they could clean up clean up what was left they could get the barley that was dropped they can get the barley that was not gathered and so when he gets to the city to the city gates I'm pretty sure that there were she was just not the only widow there but she was out gathering sticks in the field and there were probably other widows out there gathering barley you know gathering what they could the scraps because here we are in a famine and so you know everything's sparse you got to fight for everything you got to fight for your next meal no one has an abundance and this widow was out there and she's not literally, literally not looking for barley, amen, she's not looking for wheat, but she's gathering sticks, she's gathering these sticks so she can go home and make a, a meal for her son and for her, and then just, it was, that was it, there was nothing else she could do, she had gotten to the point of no return, she had gotten to where she felt God isn't answering my prayers, you know, I don't have what I need, I don't know how I'm going to sustain, so I have this little bit of flour, this little bit of oil, and I'm going to go get some wood, I'm going to get grab some sticks today, and this is the day that I will die, this is the, the beginning of my death, this is the end of my life, and so God will test you to, deter, to, to determine uh, your preparation for blessing him. And so as she's out there, she's gathering these sticks. And now you have to understand, they're in a drought. Like they're in the middle of a famine. And here comes Elijah and he says, hey, can you get me some water? And she looks up and she's the one that responds. So that lets him know that, hmm, this might be the widow. This might be the woman that God's talking about. And so she goes away. She walks away to go and get him a drink. And uh, he says, bring me some bread in your hand when you return. And so by faith, you know, I could just imagine she walking like, I know this man. He came up here <laughs> in the middle of this famine and asked me for some bread. Like, okay, I can get the water, you know, the, the, the water source is still, is still, it's not as forceful as it used to be. I can get the water, but you want some bread? And I can just imagine pondering in her mind, you know, 
I only I don't have any bread, you know, but she did not lie to him. But she's just like, how is how is that going to be? And so Elijah has no way of knowing that this is a widow that God commanded to provide for him. So he decides to lay out a fleece to recognize her. And he did that by asking her that second question. And he says to her, may I have some water? And the, the widow responds and going to get the water for him. So I would just, you know, guess that, you know, like I said, other women were gleaning. There was, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, the scene was just him and her. But there are other women gleaning in the fields and there were, you know, other people in the township that were around. Uh, so that was his first identification, that this might be the one, that this might be the woman. And so everyone, uh, you know, when he called out, everybody has the ability to go and fetch the water. It wasn't just like, you know, she's the, the one that responded. She's the one that, that heard the voice of God because Elijah is the God figure in the day. She heard the voice of God and she went to fetch that water. And so are you identifying yourself by your obedience? When God tells you to do just the minute things in life, amen, go fetch some water for someone. <laughs> and, you know, this might be a person of opposition. This might be a situation that God is saying, you know what, I'm going to test you. Because I've been talking to you, so now here comes the test. And so this woman, she goes out of obedience, and she goes and she fetches this water for him. And um, it was not a big deal for her. But man, when he asked for, a, you know, for the bread, to bring her back some bread, that's when her faith was tested. Amen. That's when she was challenged because she knew of the situation that was um, in front of her. So her obedience in fetching uh, the water opens the door. It opened the door, amen, to her next blessing, to her next, uh, uh, to the next question, but not only to the next question from Elijah, but to her destiny, to her, to her faith. And so um, she goes ahead and she, she uh, walks away and she goes and gets in the, the water. So um, in observation, had the women failed to answer the first question, are refusing to get uh, Eli the water, and you know today you put you women come on. You know we got we got women's rights. <laughs> we got all kinds of stuff. If some man came up to you and said, "Hey, go get me some water. Go fetch me some water," we would you know that especially the black woman that head would twirl like <laughs> police. You know, because we, you know, we become so independent. We become, you know, we think we, we think we got it like that. But, but her obedience to the word of God, and I'm just saying that, that today, your obedience to the word of God may come through a man. Amen. Your obedience to serve someone, your obedience to do something for, for someone may come through a stranger. But you got to have the, 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 sin, the sincerity of your heart in the form lined up with worship of God to understand when you are encountering God. And this was a God encounter for her. And so she could have refused, but she did not. So um, had she failed, it would have just been a wrap. You know, God would have just had to, to look for another a source for, for him to be fed. But the woman was tested with, with her ability to be obedient and everyone, uh, so that um, anyone could go and get the glass, get the cup of water, but she went directly, quickly. You know, other women heard and they probably looked up and was like, I ain't, he ain't talking to me. I'm out here trying to, you know, I'm out here trying to get this grain because I got to feed my family tonight. 
So the text is clear that God had commanded a widow to provide for him. So she, uh, so if she had refused to get the water, her blessing would have, have just gone to naught. And so um, all of us, like I said, need to be sensitive to the voice of God. Amen. It might be just as minor as, you know, I want you to go over to the church and, you know, they got the homeless shelter up and they cook every Tuesday. Why don't you go volunteer to feed? That's simple. I ain't got time to be feeding for them people. I ain't gonna, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. It could be just simple as, you know, the church is reopening and they need some help getting everything back organized. Can you have some time? Can you go and, you know, do that? Well, they got people up there. They got a staff. That's what the people get paid for. That's where my tithes go. Why can't they do it? <laughs> when God says to you, I want you to call so-and-so, just out of the blue. And, I, you know, we get these all the time. God drops somebody into your spirit. Why don't you give them a call? And we ponder and ponder, you know. Then we throw up that little, oh, God, I don't know what they're going through. Just bless them, God, whatever the situation is. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of hearing the voice of God, and I'm guilty of trying to figure it out for him and doing things my way. But this widow heard the voice of God, amen, and obedience, she went immediately to do what God had called us, called her to do. So a lot of us can, a lot of us, we have the ability, amen? We can do what God says. We can put him first. But it's that relationship that matters. It's just like when you were a child and your mother told you or your parents told you to go and do something and you pondered, amen, and you just messed around, cleaned your room and you threw everything under the bed or you half did it. And then you got the discipline, amen? We can't even do that today. I, well, I can, but you get that discipline, you either get that belt or you get, you know, you go on restriction. You know, those are consequences, and that's what God is saying to that. I don't want to have to whip you. I don't want to have to take you, you know, I don't want to have to discipline you like that. All I'm asking you to do is this, this small thing. So uh, the obedience of this widow um, in the little things opened up a blessing for her, um, so as we're walking through this and we're seeing this famine in the land, everybody's living on just enough. I mean, when I say famine, there's nothing. There's nothing. Now, we're still blessed. You can go to the store. There might not be no pasta. You know, you might not, you know, there might be certain things that are out. And, you know, we walk through the store and we act like we're in a famine. I'm like, no, we're not in a famine. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty. You know, I've, I've found myself going to several stores looking for a certain item. Um, but, you know, there are still things on our shelves. We're not quite in the famine. But God is, I believe God is pushing us closer and closer to, to really, understanding that we have to trust in him and so the everybody was in this it just the famine was just it was widespread for three and a half years not a drop of rain had come and so uh it just it wasn't her situation but it was many many people were in this situation but God was going to use the two of them if I can connect them I am going to make them <laughs> the head of this you know the, the cease of this drought and so uh just listen to what God is saying to you you know, you can, you, can, you can stop some droughts in your life. You can, tell, you can stop some famines in your life if you listen to the heart of God. So when we get into verse 12, uh, she says, And she said, As the Lord your God lives, hmm, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and, and a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son, 
so that we may eat and die. <laughs> now she recognizes that this is a prophet. She recognizes who Elijah is, and she is, you know, discussing with him, you want me, man of God, <laughs> to give you my last. You want me to give out of, you know, this is it for me. I got a handful of, of, of flour, and I got a little bit of jug, a little oil in a jug, and that's it. I have nothing else. It's not enough for the three of us. It's only enough for me and my son. And so God is totally aware of her situation. God knows that she's right, that this is a dire situation for her. But he's, he's looking at her, looking for her trust and looking for her obedience. So it's important to notice, um, verse 12, the woman didn't come out and say no to Elijah. She simply said, I don't see how I can do this. I don't see how this is going to work. Um, I don't have enough. There's not enough for me. There's not enough for my son. And now you're asking for the, the, the last bit of what I have. And, you know, I was out in the field all week scarfing up these little grains, you know. I had to go in and grind it. I had to go in and, you know, separate it. And now all this work I've done, all that I've done, you're asking me to hand it over to you? <laughs> A lot of us would have failed the test. A lot of us would have been like, you know what, bruh, it ain't going to work. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you, yeah, no, it's just not going to work. But she, she stayed in obedience to God. She recognized who he was. Um, and she struggled with it. You hear in the, in the scripture where she struggled with it. And, and like we do, we struggle with what God asks us to do. Continually struggle with what God has to do. But the test may, might not always be easy. Amen. The test will challenge us to take, take certain risk. Uh, the test will, will cause us to, to question God. But the reason some of us will never make it through the test is because we just don't have enough faith. That we haven't practiced putting God first. And this woman put God first. This was, this was her tithe. This was like the widow's might. This is all I have. And God, you're asking for this? You're wanting me to hand this over to you? Do you know what this is going to do? Do you know how this is going to affect me and my child? And so we have to learn to put God first in all things. Um, and when we do that, we will see the miraculous of God. We will see the things that become, that what was lack now becomes fruitful. So this is the dilemma of the, 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 the widow of Zarephath found herself in. And I'm pretty sure if you just think about some situations, you can find yourself, find some places where you've been with God. But if you put God first, amen, God says, bring me all the tithe to the storehouse. Amen. So this woman is a widow. She has no money. She has no income. She's taking care of herself and her child in the best way that she knows how. And she comes before the Lord. The Lord comes to her and he asks her, give me, give me that. Give me that last piece of bread. Give me that last bit of oil. Make a, make a cake for me. Takes a lot of faith for us to step out in that. But I have good news today, amen? In verse 13 and 14, Elijah said to her, don't fear. Do not fear. Go and do what you have said. But first make me a little cake and bring it to me, and afterwards, <laughs> make something for yourself and your son. That's a prophetic word right there, that he knew 
that was all you have. He said, but go ahead. Go ahead. I'm hungry. Woman, let's go make this piece of bread, please. And after you've done that for me, go and make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour should not be spent and the jug of oil should not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain back upon the earth. So in obedience, she goes and she does what the prophet has told her to do. In obedience, she goes and honors the man of God, honors the principles that God has laid out before us, honors giving that tithe to the man of God. And God told her, in the process, as you break it down, in verse 13, he says, don't be afraid, okay? So we have to not be afraid to step out in faith because the process to more than enough is going to cause us to walk in faith. So she was not afraid. She decided, I'm going to go ahead and work my current plan and put a minor adjustment to it. Because my plan was to get up this morning, go get these sticks, make this bread. Me and my son will just, you know, we will just starve to death. This is the end for us. But she stayed, in her, she stayed with the plan that she had with a minor adjustment. And so she took care of the man of God, and then God takes care of her. See, God will give you more <laughs> than you ever, ever can imagine. And that's what he did for this woman. By her faith, he took that bread, and she took that bread and that oil and presented to the man a loaf of bread, a cake, a small cake of bread. And when she, I just, you know, I'm just, just take your imagination. You know, she's walking, and she's like, good grief. You know, I got to give this to the man. My baby's hungry. He's sitting in the house watching me cook this and take it to the man of God. And she takes it, but I can just imagine when she returned to her home, amen, <laughs> when she returned to her home because she had put God first. She looks at her jar, amen, and, and it was full. It was full of flour. She looked at her jug. It was full of oil. She, she, she knew that this was a man of God, that she had been obedient to God. Because now where she was lacked, where she was a widow, where she had, had nothing but, but a, a one meal left, now she has more than enough. Amen? When we follow the principles of God, God will take us to the place of more than enough. God will say, I will open up the windows of heaven. And in, in, in your tithing, when you give consistently when you are obedient to God, God is going to bless you. And so she went from lack to a, she was a widow who had lack, who was about to die. And now that she, now she has more than enough. And when, and in verse 15, in the, as I wrap this up, it says, and when she went and did as Elijah said, and he and she and her house, he, she and her and her household, listen to that. When we started the, the passage, it was her and her son. She was making enough for her, her, her and her son. But after she did what God said, after she put God first, it, the scripture says, and he, she, and her household. That means that she became a woman that 
people could go to, a woman that was a provider that, that could come to her home, her household, her family, her friends could come and they could get barley, they could get oil, they could, you know, there was sustenance enough there because every time she poured out, the principle was that God was going to pour back in. And so she had more than enough. She was no longer just a, a poor widow in her city, but she was a woman, amen, that was sustaining them, that whole city through the drought. She was a woman that had followed God. And in verse, thing, in verse 16, it says, The jar of flour was not spent. It never ran out. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoke through Elijah. So the widow trusted God. And this morning, I just want you to learn that we have to trust God. Amen? Through this pandemic, through this situation, through everything that life has brought us and is bringing us through, that we have to make a, a choice. Me and my house will serve the Lord. And that means whatever I have, whatever I've got, it all belongs to God. Amen? And that I am going to be the woman of God, the man of God that trusts God enough even when it sounds crazy, I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I'm going to put him first. And so... As we go through the stewardship um, series, understand that you might find yourself in lack, but if God says, hand it over to me, he is the one that can multiply it, amen? He is the one that can sustain you, and all God is doing is just testing your faith. As long as the, every day that woman woke up, there was sustenance in her house, not only for her, but for her household, for her friends, for the city. God... God lifted her up into a place where most widows didn't get lifted up like that, amen? Most people, all the women in the field, any one of them could have responded, but the right one, the one that had a relationship with God, is the one who responded. So the woman simply used what she had to invoke the manna principle, amen? We understand the manna principle when, when the Israelites were, were traveling um, on their, on their journey to Jericho, and God provided manna for them every day. God wants to be the provider of manna for you, amen? He wants to install that, I will take care of you. The birds don't worry about it. Creation doesn't worry about it. Why do we worry about getting, you know, what God is going to do? Why do we, we create these, these divisions within ourselves, divisions within the church, divisions in society, divisions in economy? I got mine, you go get yours. You know, God is saying that I want you to be one. I want you to be that acts church, amen? Everyone has everything in common, and that's what she did with what she had. She wasn't selfish about it, but she shared it. So this morning... Um, I just want to say that the widow of Zarephath kept provisions in her house during the famine and provided for her and her family by obeying the word of, God, of the Lord through the prophet and putting God first in all that she did. All God is asking for is to put him first. Amen. In all that we do and everything that we say, make sure we are putting God first because you, when you do that, you position yourself to be continually blessed by God. And how many of us want to be continually blessed by God. Amen. How many of us want to open up that, that open heaven? Amen. We want that man of principle working in our lives. When you put God first, those principles come along with it. Amen. Because it's surely out of obedience. When you put God first, God is going to honor you. God is going to bless you. God is going to watch over you. God is open, going to open up windows. Amen. Blessings that you have not room enough to receive.
But you have to follow the principle, amen? You have to walk in obedience. You have to hear the, learn to hear the voice of God and walk in his ways, even if it's a dire situation, even when it's that, that last moment, God is like, this is the test, amen? If you can do this, you open up the windows of heaven. So this morning, I just want you to understand, as we as a church are reopening, as we as a church are, are coming back, getting back on our feet, that it takes, our, your, it takes your tithes, it takes your offerings, and it takes your obedience, amen? Not only for the church, but for your own lives. God is about to elevate this church, amen? Elevate churches, elevate people who have been through this drought, because we're in a drought and we're still in a drought. But God is saying, if you follow the principles through this pandemic, pandemic, through all of this confusion, if you put me first, I will open up the windows of heaven. Amen. So in our obedience to God, let's, let's understand the principles that are taught in his word. Amen. God has everything that we need. And if we just learn to follow the principles step by step, even if you need to come and take somebody's hand and say, you know what, my budget is just blown. I, I'm, I'm barely paycheck to paycheck. I'm paying my light bill on my credit card. Come, amen. Come to the house of the Lord. Come and talk and, and we can help you get through those things. We can help you get through those situations. But you got to be bold enough like Elijah was to go and say, may I have some water? Do you want water? Water is, is what, water is life. Water is what God gives us, amen, to sustain us. So if you are thirsty this morning, amen, God is here to provide. Father God, we thank you for this word, Lord. Father, we thank you for the principles that you have laid out for us, Lord, even in this passage, that although we are in perilous times, some of us are facing eviction, some of us are facing our car being repossessed some of us are unemployed father god we have people that are living in their cars people in situations but god you have looked upon us with favor lord father god you have opened up the windows of heaven upon us and all you're asking father god is for the members and friends of rcf to be obedient god you've already proven what you can do and what you are willing to do so this morning, Father God, as we conclude this, Lord, we ask that this word penetrates our hearts. God, it's really not about money. Absolutely not. It's about obedience. It's about putting you first. Some of us don't have the resources to pay tithes, but we have the resource to be obedient. We have the ability, Father God, to do what you've called us to do. So let us begin with the small things, Lord that affects our household, Father God, and then flows out into the community. For we truly want to be the house on the hill, the city on the hill, a place of sustenance, a place of rest, a place of restoration, a place of peace for those, Father God, that are going through these perilous times. So we thank you for this word. Father God, we will go home, read the whole story, Father God, and glean and gather what you are saying to us that we can become the children of God. We become the widow that was now, Father God, providing for her whole community. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.